In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a former card shark for the mob hits rock bottom and is saved by what he describes as divine intervention. And so I walked across the barnyard over to my garage where my gun was. And so my gun was always loaded. I was always ready to go. And I walked over and I put my hand down to open the door and walk in and get my gun and I was going to put it in my mouth and pull the trigger. I was going to end it. Since the mighty Aphrodite and I have been taking ESS-60, the purest form of carbon-60, we're thrilled to tell you we're both sleeping well and pain-free. ESS-60 is raw carbon-60 that's been produced, certified, and guaranteed for safer human consumption. C60 is a mega antioxidant and is known to have 172 times the antioxidant power of vitamin C. 172 times. ESS60 is the carbon 60 formulation used in the 2012 original Paris study that showed ESS60 doubled the lifespan of rats. That's right, doubled their lifespan. I'm so proud to be associated with my good friends at c60evo.com. Their scientists invented the only reactor machine of its kind to produce carbon-60 back in 1991. They've been a top producer and distributor of C60 worldwide ever since, and the demand has been astounding. ESS-60 from c60evo.com 
is available in 4, 8, 16, and 32-ounce bottles. Choose from single bottles, monthly subscriptions, or cases of 12 bottles. ESS 60, the purest form of Carbon 60 available. Get yours at c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. Use the promo code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC, to get 5% off. ESS60 from C60Evo.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday professionally trained card shark and now an eternal life coach brian arnold is standing by to discuss his remarkable life his rise and fall and the seemingly miraculous event that turned his life around now last week i told you about a new premium subscription that i'm offering to listeners of this podcast it has officially launched it's a great way to support this podcast and get access to all of my back catalog of episodes. To become a premium subscriber, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. And for just $1.99 per month, you'll get access to, again, the Conspiracy Unlimited archives. Plus, you'll also get two special commercial-free bonus episodes every month. Now, this is important. The most recent 30 episodes of Conspiracy Unlimited will remain absolutely free of charge. And coming soon, the Conspiracy Show apps for Google and iOS systems, where premium subscribers can access the premium content with the same username and password. This subscription is provided by MyLibsyn, a service of Libsyn.com, so you'll be creating your subscription account through them. They accept all major credit cards and PayPal. They're also PCI compliant, so your info is safe and secure. Again, for $1.99 a month, you get access to the vast archives plus two special commercial-free bonus episodes per month. Go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes. Brian Arnold is a mental health nutritionist, peace of mind, and eternal life coach. As a professionally trained card shark, he made over $4 million by the age of 24, playing the peripheral edges of the mafia to help them knock off the big games, sending his life in a downward spiral to becoming suicidal. Then, just seconds away from pulling the trigger, the divine intervention stepped in causing him to walk away from millions of dollars to help millions of people. Brian Arnold, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing totally awesome. Thank you very much for asking. 
Now, I know you're in the United States now, but your story begins in Canada, in Manitoba. And after reading your biography, it strikes me that you've had the quintessential Canadian upbringing. Your father traded furs with the Hudson's Bay Company, the oldest corporation in existence. I'm wearing a pair of shoes I just ordered from the Hudson's Bay Company. They've been around forever, since like the 16th century. It's a remarkable story. Tell me a little bit about your early days growing up in Manitoba and then Saskatchewan. Well, I was uh, born in Manitoba. My mother was Canadian. My father uh, apparently was American, and uh, but I have never met my father. So I was adopted, and I was adopted through uh, my family. My adopted mother, or my mother who adopted me, was actually my auntie. And she was married to Leonard Arnold, and Leonard Arnold um, became my my father. I was adopted, and my father was a fur trader for the Hudson's Bay Company up in northern Saskatchewan, uh, way up north, Meadow Lake, and then up north of that, which is um, near some of the most amazing trapping areas for beaver and wolves and and uh, coyotes and link and mink and so on and back in that day it was a matter of survival today we may look at that with a, a, a dim view but back then it was a matter of living to survive but we actually caught the tail end of the big fur trade i was i started trapping when i was six years old i had my own one mile trap line trapping squirrels and weasels and uh, we traveled by dog team in the wintertime and canoe in the summertime. And it was a pretty amazing upbringing to live such a grounded life living in the bush. And we had no electricity, no running water. Well, you had to run and get it yourself if you wanted <laughs> running water. Yeah. And, and uh, so it was an amazing upbringing. I was very grounded, learned to live with the native people loved the native people. I'm quarter Cree myself. And, um, so that was my amazing upbringing. It was very grounded and, uh, I love the bush and I can light a fire and be lost and light a fire in a matter of minutes and survive with no problem at 20, 30, 40 below zero. And then you, then you left home at, uh, at, you left this a difficult uh, life, but also idyllic in many respects, uh, at the age of yes. 16 to work in the oil rigs in, in British Columbia. Yes. Yeah, I, that was my, I started off, uh, when I turned six years old, my father sold sold out. We had a, a mink ranch and a little sawmill and a trap line, 31 mile trap line. And my father sold all of that so that I could get an education. And so we moved and bought a little farm. We started a little quarter section of farming. And uh, that was very tough back then. We were very poor, no money. And uh, I worked very hard uh, picking rocks and roots and clearing off quarter sections of land. And by the age of 16, we were on the verge of possibly losing the farm. And so uh, I went to work on the oil rigs at 16. I wasn't even supposed to be working on the rigs then. I was supposed to be 18. But I managed, because I was a very hard worker, to be able to go to work on the rigs. And the problem that I ran into was I was working on a crew 
it's a five-man crew, and four of them were alcoholics. And uh, they were all, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, and they said, come on, kid, we're going to teach you how to be a man. And they would polish off a 26 of whiskey every night after work, and we were out in camp. So, you know, uh, that's where I got introduced to suddenly drinking, and and then we'd get three days off and go into a little town, and we'd just party for three days and drinking and shooting pool and gambling and you name it. That's really where I started to get going down the wrong road. And you said by the, by the, ni- by the time you were 19, you were a, a mess, a drunkard, a womanizer, you were doing drugs? Yes, lots of it. At a certain point, you met up with some interesting characters and you became something called a stall man. Explain yes. what that is. Well, a, a stall man is a I would just sit in the game. Uh, these two guys that I met, I ran into them one night. We were at a party. I, I went to work. When when I turned 19, the age limit was 19 to work in a bar. And I went to work in this bar, and I worked around the pool tables because that's where all the, what we call rounders were. And rounders means, you know, all the drug dealers and all the bad, bad characters and uh, so on were all hanging around the pool tables playing pool and I went to work there and I was uh, kind of a tough guy I guess and and so anybody fights broke out or something I was around the pool tables that's generally where the fights broke out that's where I wanted to work and uh, two guys showed up there one night and uh, I served them but I didn't really meet them but they were very they were different they were very well-dressed well-mannered sharp guys lots of money and I never really, you know, paid that much attention to them. They tipped me well. But afterwards, about uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was invited over to this party, and I went to the party, and those two guys were there. And they were in the back room. They had kind of set that whole structure up, and it was under their supervision. And this was in a bigger city now, Prince George, British Columbia. And it was about 100,000 population, a lot of logging going on back then and everything. And so I'm just a working uh, guy in the bar, but suddenly there's these uh, two guys in the back room, and they've got a couple of millionaires who had flown up there from Vancouver, and they had tried to pick up these girls. And these millionaires were now, the girls brought them to this party and uh, got them in the back room with a poker game that they were going on in the back room. But it was all staged and set up. And uh, they, one of the guys came out and he saw me in and he said, hey kid, uh, do you want to sit in a game? I'll give you 500 bucks. I want you to just sit down at the table and follow these two simple signals. And when we're dealing, these two simple signals were finger signals, just simple. And they said, uh, when when we put our finger forward like this means bet if you're betting or take a card if you're supposed to take a card. We want because we're dealing when they were playing blackjack, twenty-one or bust. And so I just sat in the game, and they said, all the money you're going to get dumped in front of you, that is not your money. Just know that after the game, we don't know each other here. After the game, uh, we will meet, you give us the money, and we'll give you $500 cash for sitting in the game. And that's a stall man. Because they would take all the money from these guys, and then they would, on the third round, uh, I would they would give me the signal to shoot the pot, which meant go for whatever's in there. If there was 10000 in the pot, 
20,000 in the pot, 5,000 in the pot, whatever it was, I was to shoot the pot when I shot the pot, which meant go for it all. Uh, they would let me win. So it, I would get, I would win all the money. That was being the stall man. Right. I was the guy who stalled everything off and took the heat off of them because they were the ones taking the money from these guys, but they were losing it to me. Right. So they were, it was diverting attention from the two, the, the two yeah. guys that were actually perpetrating the, uh, uh, the rigged game here. And so uh, you, yes. you describe that as, uh, you know, obviously easy money, the lazy man's way to riches. So $500 that yep. night. And then pretty soon yep. you were, you were traveling with these guys and, and pulling the same scheme every night. Yeah. Well, they had, they had things set up all over the place, uh, all the way up into the Yukon territories and Alaska and all over the place. And I'm just a kid and $500 a night back in that day was like five thousand, you know, a night now. Sure. Uh, you know, it was it was a lot of money, and I was just a kid, and I'm out having a good time, partying and drinking, as per usual. And I started going down the highway to my doom, and I didn't realize it because when you're a kid, you just don't know these things. You know, you don't have the experience. And these were pretty and high stakes. Me off to the These were pretty high stakes poker games. Some of them half a million dollars in the pot. Yes. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Well, the half million wasn't just in the pot, but we, we, we made that in, in a night. Yes. You know, in certain staged games that were brought in and that's where the peripheral edges of the mafia came into play and they would connect with this other guy. Now these guys, these uh, guys that I traveled with are all dead. Now I was the kid. I'm, I'm the youngest I was the youngest back then, and I'm 70 now. But back then, I was only 19 till I was 24. So, uh, yeah, there was some big games and uh, mafia every once in a while. And I can't name cities and places and mobsters, but because there's several different groups, but they would connect and call uh, this one fellow, and he would just say to us, "Okay, you know, we've got a Learjet going to pick us up and take us and fly us into wherever." And we'd have a big black limo come and pick us up and take us in and put us up in the hotel for the night. And they would give us the lowdown as to what was going to come down here and how the game was going to, you know, they had the players and they had the game set up. And we would just go in there as, you know, not knowing anybody and knock the game off. And they took half and we took the other half and we split it three ways. And my split out of that, over the five years, four or five years, was close to around four million. I don't know. I lost track after that. Four but, million dollars know. by the time you were twenty-four. How, yeah, and that was just my cut. That was just my cut. Right. How much money had you squirreled away, if any? None. You drank it all. Drugs, cocaine, uh, partying. Uh, you know, we thought nothing of if we wanted to charter a Learjet or something and it cost 10 grand, so what? You know, we want to go to this place and we're going now and that's it. And that could be at 3 o'clock in the morning partying. Right. So it was just total, absolute uh, craziness. But, you know, when you get into that kind of headspace and you are totally lost and you're a kid, you don't know any better. You, you just think that the world is never going to end you're invincible. This is never going to end. 
and everything's great until all of a sudden, you know, reality catches up with you. And had you lost track of your adoptive parents, your aunt and uncle? Yes and no. I hadn't lost track of them. I kept in touch with them. Every once in a while, I would come home and see them because they were my mother and father, and I loved them very much. They were very good parents. They were... They really um, raised me well. They were not drinkers or anything. And I, I was raised Roman Catholic. I was, you know, an altar boy and taught to go to church and all that kind of stuff. But I just, um, uh, I, I kept in touch with them. And every once in a while, I would come home and give them some money to help out with the farm and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, not very often. And they just knew I was gambling and I was kind of wild and they were just saying, you know, you better watch your P's and Q's and straighten up and fly right. And right. I'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then away I'd go again, you know. Do you think anything, uh, whether being taken off the land, because you were you were living on the land, you were living from the land, you were very much in yes. tune with the land. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're taken yeah. away from that. You're Now you're working in an oil rig and then you, uh, you're, you, you've, you've lost that connection. Do you think that contributed yeah. to what happened to you? Um, I think that may have, I, I don't know that it contributed to it because we choose our own destiny. And, uh, but you know, birds of a feather flock together. And when you get in with the wrong people, even if it's in good intent off the start, like I went to work, working really hard. I mean, like 40 below zero, eight hours out there in the mud and, and everything else at 40 below zero all winter long on the oil rigs was a choice that I had made because I wanted to make a decent living. I wanted to go out and work and find my way in life. And I was sending home some money to mom and dad to help to keep the farm. Mm. So that was all good. But the influence of these people, so people around you, uh, you choose your, your friends. And when you choose your friends, you better be careful who you choose as friends because those friends can lead you down the garden path. And that's my message now to all young people who are even listening in on this um, message right now that we're, we're talking about or to parents or anyone is you show me your friends and I'll show you your destiny. Mm-hmm. That's if right. you're going to continue to continue to hang out with these people because you got to at, at some day you got to get rid of some of your friends because they're going to just, they're not going to help you. They're going to take you down the garden path unintentionally even. So by the time you're, you're 24, you're, yes. you're a, you were a you would have been a millionaire had you, you know, saved it, invested it. So, uh, multi-millionaire, right. Yeah. A multimillionaire. Uh, yeah. then the, uh, rather rapid, decline uh, happens, things really start to go south for you, and take yes. us up to that point where you find yourself with a revolver in your hand uh, pointed at your head. Well, what happened was um, I started to fall into depression uh, around 24, and I'd never been depressed before, never, ever, ever. I had always been up. I'm always an up person. I am today very up and very positive and, and uh, productive. But back then, uh, suddenly this dark, dark depression come upon me and I was starting to be tormented by demons. And they were, they were manifesting around me in voices, so to speak, 
you're no good for nothing, you know, kill yourself. Uh, you know, you, you aren't doing any good for humanity. You've ruined your, destroyed your life. You're good for nothing. And on and on this went. And um, so I ended up, I went and I bought my mom and dad's farm. Uh, I went back and bought the farm and retired them out. And I bought another three quarter sections of land that I always wanted right beside there. So now I had nine quarter sections of land. A quarter section is 160 acres. Then I bought 300 head of cows. I bought uh, six head of horses, uh, bigger tractors, bigger equipment, bigger everything, because I wanted to go big and straighten my life out. But this tormenting darkness wouldn't leave me alone, and it just kept at me and kept at me until I just decided, you know, there's no hope for me. I have no hope whatsoever, and so I decided to go over to the garage and get my gun, and uh, it was actually my old 22 that I used to use for hunting squirrels and weasels and stuff. And uh, I was, I went over to the garage to get my gun and I was going to end my life right there. That was it. Cause nobody else, I wouldn't talk to anybody else about my depression and darkness. I just thought, you know, I had a couple of other friends who took their lives and ended it. And so I was in a state of mind of just saying, that's it. And today, in today's times right now that we're talking I really want to encourage people that, you know, when we go through some of these difficult times and challenges and darkness like this, uh, of which we're experiencing now with the coronavirus and stuff, and I'm dealing with people right now who want to end their life, but I explain to them that we are only in a season right now. This is only a season, and a season is, you know, spring, summer, winter, and fall, and those are only three or four month seasons. And, and uh, I was going through a season of difficulty and darkness, but I wanted to permanently end it. And there's no need to permanently end your life when you're going through a season. You put the barrel up to your head or in your mouth? How, what happened? No, what happened was I walked across the yard. I, I had just fed the horses, and um, I was sitting up on the barn, and, uh, and and I dropped hay down from the barn to the horses, and I was sitting on the ladder coming down, and these demons were just tormenting me and saying, kill yourself, kill yourself, end your life. You're no good for nothing. You have no hope for the future. It's It's all over with. And so I walked across the yard, the barnyard, over to my garage where my gun was in the back, the door, you know, I mean, I just had to reach inside and grab my 22. And we always had a 22 uh, for chicken hawks and coyotes and stuff like that. And so my gun was always loaded. I was always ready to go. And I walked over and I put my hand down to open the door and walk in and get my gun and I was gonna put it in my mouth and pull the trigger, I was gonna end it. And just as I was about to reach for the door, a car pulled in the yard and stopped me. It stopped me, that broke my attention span as this car, I believe it was still to this day, I never knew the guy, I believe it was an angel that came in or God sent someone there because right at that second, why would somebody pull in the yard? And the guy pulls up beside me and he kind of sticks his head out the window and he says, um, hi, I, I'm kind of lost. 
I said, what, 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 do you, what do you need? And he said, uh, well, I'm looking for a guy. His name is Joe Seklinka. And the guy, um, Joe Seklinka, had a little uh, farm just down the road from me, about a mile and a half down the road. So I told the guy, he said, I'm looking for, for Joe Sklinka. And I said, well, Joe lives about a mile and a half down the road. And the guy says, can't be. He said, I've been down that road twice now, and I can't find the, the farm. I said, listen, Joe never moved the farm. <laughs> the farm is still there. You turn around, you go out here, you turn left, you go up, um, down through a ravine. And that ravine was where I used to trap all the time. So you go down through that ravine and you're going to go another mile. And on the right hand side, he's right there. That's where his farm is. And the guy said, Oh, okay. Thank you very much. He turned around, backed up, turned around and drove away. I never saw the guy again. And it broke my thought process right there of ending my life. And I kind of snapped out of it. And I thought, wow, I just about ended my life right there. And that was my first divine intervention what i call a divine intervention because it spared my life right there more of my conversation with brian arnold when conspiracy unlimited continues did you know that bee pollen contains almost all of the nutrients required by the human body to thrive get your two-month supply of bee pollen from getthetea.com Bee pollen is a super nutritious way to boost your energy levels. It's referred to as nature's most complete health food. It's a natural immune booster. Bee pollen may help boost brain function. It may aid occasional seasonal allergies. Bee pollen, Mother Nature's immune support from GetTheTea.com. A 60-day supply costs just $31. Bee pollen should be avoided by anyone with an allergy to honey or bees. The benefits of this product go way beyond what I've told you here. Do your research. Order your bee pollen from GetTheTea.com and use the code word UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. Get your bee pollen from GetTheTea.com. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Former card shark and eternal life coach Brian Arnold is here. We were discussing what you described as your first divine intervention, but there was a second one as well. Tell me about what happened to you after you were saved from taking your own life by what might have been an angel. What, what happened was the next day, my, my mother and father came out to the farm. We lived 18 miles out of town and mom and dad had retired in town and dad was still driving school bus, but they had the money I had bought the farm from them and they had, you know, bought a little home in town. And so they came out and, and, you know, they're piddling around the farm there a little bit doing some stuff. And mom said, why don't you come into town on Sunday and have lunch with us? You know, we can meet at church. And, uh, and then after church, we'll go and have lunch. And, and she never knew, they never knew anything about my, um, uh, predicament and my, my thoughts that were going through my mind of suicide and depression and, uh, hopelessness and despair. 
And so mom invited me into town. And so I said, okay. So Sunday morning came and I was going to go to mass and I hadn't been to church in like eight years. And uh, I thought, you know, if I go and sit in the confessional there and start telling the priest all my sins, that would take up the whole morning and nobody else would get in there. <laughs> because I was such a bad act that uh, I was disgusted with myself and did not like the man in the glass that I saw that left there, you know, years before. And so I, I, drove, I got ready to go in that morning into church and I got dressed and everything and I went out to my pickup and I'm going to jump in my truck because it takes about 20, 20, 20 minutes to run into town, 18 miles on gravel road. And so I went out, I go to get in my pickup and about 50 head of my cows got out on the road. So I ran over there and I just noticed they knocked the gate down. They didn't break the fence or anything. They just knocked the gate over. So I just rounded them up quickly on foot and just rounded them up and shoot them back in, closed the gate. But that put me 15 minutes late. Now here's the divine appointment. Uh, I'm 15 minutes late. I go roaring into town and I drive by the church and I see mom and dad's car parked there at the Catholic church. And, but I'm 15 minutes late. And so it was a good excuse for me not to go in. I just, it was like, I can't remember if it was quarter to 10 or a quarter to 11. I don't remember exactly, but it was quarter to the hour of the of service. But the church there had already started at, let's say it was like 930. It's now a quarter to 10. And so I just decided I'm not going in. I, I didn't want to go in. I was scared. I did. Well, I wasn't scared. I just didn't want to go in. So I didn't like religion anyway. So I just kept on driving. I thought I'll just go over to the house, mom and dad's house, and I'll have a coffee and I'll just wait for them. And when they get out, you know, we'll have lunch. So I'm driving along slowly and, and I come up to this stop sign where um, there's a police station on the right-hand side. I come up to the stop sign, I stop, and right around the corner, walking right in front of me in my brand-new pickup is this guy that I used to go to school with. His name was Richard Poliska. He walks up, and he said, Brian, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in years. How are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing great. I bought the farm, I got all new equipment, I got all this stuff, I'm doing great. Meanwhile, I'm suicidal, but I said, I'm doing great. Mm. He said, uh, so what are you up to? And I said, oh, I was just gonna go to church there, but I'm, I was a little bit late, so I'm just heading over to mom and dad's house. And he looked at me and he says, well, my church right here starts in five minutes. And there's a, an amazing preacher here from America a little black preacher from America. And this guy is an absolute fireball, and we've got him here as a special um, you know, guest uh, speaking to us. And I said to him, I said, well, what's, a, what's a, a preacher from America doing up in this rinky-dink little Indian town out in the middle of nowhere up in the middle of Canada? What's he doing out here? And the guy said, uh, Richard said, it doesn't matter. He said, you've got to come in and listen to this guy. And so I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm Roman Catholic. We're the only ones going to heaven. And I don't go to other churches. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going into one of your holy roller nutcases. I'm not going in there. Forget it. 
you guys start getting strange and weird with me and I'll punch your lights out. The whole works is and level the whole place. And Richard is looking at me kind of funny going, are you kidding me? What, what are you talking about, man? He said, why don't you come in and listen to this guy? I said, okay, just out of curiosity, I will. And so I went into this little church. There's only 30, 40 people there. And now it's like two minutes to starting time. We come in and uh, we walk. Of course, you know, everybody's filled up the back pews. They're all full. So there's now a, we have to sit up closer to the front in, the, in, in an empty pew up there closer to the front. There's still about five pews in front of me yet. But uh, we're, so we go in and sit down. Richard sits down. I sit beside him. I'm in a strange place now. I've never been in a place, a church like this. And uh, so in comes right at the last minute, about four or five people come and sit beside me on one side and four or five people come in later and sit on the other side of me. So now I'm stuck right in the middle of this whole thing. And uh, they go through and they sing a few songs with the guitars and stuff like that. And it's really different to me. And then they invite this little black preacher up. Well, this little black preacher got up there and he brought heaven down. I never heard anybody preach like this in my life. He talked about the kingdom of God and the power of God and the glory of God and, and all these things. There was no religious ceremony to it or anything. And at the end of the service, he knew he was preaching to me. And uh, the Holy Spirit knew that. And he said, if there's anybody here this morning who's feeling troubled, going through a difficult time, fear, uncertainty, doubt, um, guilt of the past, worry about the future, anger for today, resentment, retaliation, uh, confusion. If there's anybody here this morning who would like prayer and needs help and would like to accept Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, I ask you to come up here to the front. Well, I never looked, I never turned around, I never looked at anybody, I never thought twice about it. I just jumped up, and I did not step on any toes. I stepped over the pew in front of me. Cowboy boots, my blue jeans, my white shirt, my blue sports jacket. And I walked up to that little black preacher, and I stuck my finger in his face. And I said, listen, mister. You don't have any clue or idea the hell I've been through and the darkness I've lived in. And I'm about to pull the trigger any time on myself. I'm ready to kill myself now, any day, any time. I don't know when. And if this Jesus you're talking about can save me, like you said he can, I will serve him the rest of my life. That was 45 years ago. When I accepted Christ that day, that moment, I was delivered instantly. I felt like a 500-pound gorilla came off my back. Mm -hmm. And depression left me. Darkness left me. All the, I, I began to weep inside, and I heard people crying behind me. Another child had come home. And mm -hmm. that was my, my second part of my final introduction to the kingdom of God and uh, coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that was my um, amazing change and start to the change in my life right there. Well, and amen, that brother. That's a, that's a powerful story. Yes. Um, so 
now we need to talk about these uh, playing cards, 52-deck uh, playing cards that you have. And you've gone from a, a former card shark. Uh, you've put some powerful messages on these in this 52-card deck. Uh, yes. T tell us about that. Well, um, you, you, you read some of the cards yourself, right? I did. Yes. And what, and what did you think of them? Well, these are, these are powerful messages uh, because you address yes. these, this is about addressing the, you know, the five most important questions. And, and I mean, I'm in broadcasting because these, these five questions are the only ones that really matter. And, you know, uh, when people ask me why I got into radio, it's because I, I want to talk about, you know, who we are, where we came from, what happens after we die. Uh, and, yes. and so, and that's part of a part of your message. Um, yes. so, and, and, um, you're, you're, yeah. you're, tr you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, uplift people. You're trying to help them to conquer a fear and, and develop courage and, and, uh, escape what you call yes. the highway, the highway to hell. So just yes. tell me a little bit about how the, these cards came together for you, how you did, how you stumbled on this idea. Uh, as a former card shark, to turn a deck of playing cards into uh, a message of hope. Yes. Well, first of all, there's uh, 52 cards in a deck, and there's 52 weeks in a year. And what happened right after I got saved, that glorious salvation, that day that I accepted Christ, an old man came to me and said, you know, you need to get a Bible and start to, to study the Bible. And so I, I uh, you know, he gave me a Bible and I started reading it, but it was such a hodgepodge of stuff. I didn't know where to start or how to go or how to read the Bible or what it was about. or I had no idea whatsoever where to begin. So he started me off in the book of John and he said, if there's ever any uh, scripture that jumps out at you, write it down on a little three by five card and put it in your pocket and memorize it. And, you know, like for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. So I started writing down these little scriptures, putting them in three by five cards and I put them in my pocket and, uh, I would, carry them around with me all the time. And everywhere I went, I would carry these three by five cards because I didn't want to read the Bible all the time. It's too much. But I started memorizing these scriptures and it was these scriptures that brought me through to overcoming and never going back to the cards. I never ever picked up a deck of cards ever since then in 45 years. I have not gambled. I gave back a car that I stole, a beautiful black Cadillac that I won in a game. But, you know, I say I stole it because, you know, you can manipulate cards. So you're a thief. You're good for nothing. And so I, I gave back the car and, and, and these things, uh, these cards began to help me to get through and memorize these scriptures. And I started learn, memorizing, you know, 20 scriptures, 30 scriptures, 40 scriptures, 50 scriptures. So I, th these cards really were what brought me through in my difficult times because they were tough. I had to overcome so much darkness and learn to come out of that kingdom of darkness and learn how to come into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of light is the kingdom of God. And the whole Bible is about, I can put the whole Bible in, in eight words. The Bible is about 
a king, a kingdom, and a royal family. That's it. So I started, it took me 40 years of study, diligent study in the Hebrew, the Greek, and, and so on, studying, studying to try to figure out everything in the Bible and going to churches and listening to messages. But I would keep putting these certain things that were outstanding on a little three by five card. So then I decided one day, not that long ago, that, you know, I came out of the cards and I know about cards and I know that they're easy to work with and they're small. So I decided to put these thoughts and, and, and the answers to the questions that people are having all the time, like who am I and how did we get here and what's my purpose for being here, it's got to be more than 40 hours a week for 40 years and then die. What is my purpose for being here? And then, you know, is there life after death? And um, how do I get to choose my eternal destiny? So I started with those and I wrote those out because I knew them. I had studied them for years and I knew that I had a real salvation. I had a real deliverance. I knew that I was born again into the kingdom of God because you can't be in a kingdom without being born into it. You can't get into royalty without being born into royalty. And so I got born again into that royal family of God and the kingdom of God. And so it, I had to boil all this information down into one deck of cards. So I boiled it down, the first 52 cards of answering those five key questions. And if you don't get these five key questions to start out with, which is personal self-discovery, because if you don't know who you are, you are in big trouble already. You know, my name is Brian Arnold, but that's not who I am. I'm a spirit being, a creative spirit being. I have a soul, which is my mind, emotions, and will. And I live in a physical earth suit body, which has five physical senses, sight, touch, smell, taste, and hear. So that's a three in one. And our Heavenly Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three in one. So we're created identical to the three in one because we are three in one. But each function has its own operation, and we need to know this. And if you don't, you're just going to kind of shoot in the dark and wander and stumble around in life. And so that's why I put these 52 cards together. They're short. They're simple. They're easy. They're the tried and proven, and they're the fastest, easiest way to learn who you are, why you're here, how you got here, and what your purpose is. And that's how that came about. And then I just developed them and put them into card form, and, uh, you know, for your listening audience, I'd like to give away 26 uh, free cards right now. If they just go to kingdomproblemsolvers.com, that's kingdomproblemsolvers.com, you can get 26 of these cards right now and uh, start using them and find out in minutes who you are. You, you write that uh, our, th our thought rules the world. Because what you think about, you yes. speak about, and what you speak about, you bring about. And some people might say that sounds a little bit about, a little bit like the law of attraction. There was that very popular uh, book that came out, I guess, in the maybe the early two thousands, called The Secret. And it, you know, they yes. talked about it on Oprah Winfrey. And I always found that kind of new yes. agey. 
this whole law yeah. of attraction thing, very you know, new agey. But, but, but you, to a certain extent, you believe in the law of attraction. You believe in the law of abundance. But you also talk about something called the law of sowing and reaping. So tell me how yes. uh, that works and how that differs from the law of attraction. Well, um, I, I believe that the law of attraction is is in operation because uh, scripture does talk about that, that, uh, you know, it's like old Job said, you know, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. So if you fear something so much, it's going to attract it because that is a universal law. And so the, the law of sowing and reaping, you reap exactly what you sow. If I, I was a gardener for years and I had an organic fertilizer company and, uh, um, I learned, and my mother was a gardener and we learned the fundamental basics of living off the land that you reap exactly what you sow. If I sow red potatoes in the garden, I'm not going to expect white potatoes or peas to grow there. I'm expecting exactly red potatoes. If you plant peas in one row, corn in another row, beans in other rows, uh, potatoes in other, white potatoes and red potatoes, those will produce after their own kind. So life is in the seed, and the seeds are the, the, the words that we speak. For example, um, in uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 14 it says the sower sows the word and these are they by the wayside where the word was sown satan comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in their heart so when we sow words i'm sowing words right now when i'm talking with you i'm sowing seeds but what kind of seeds am i sowing i'm sowing good seeds i'm sowing seeds of life that are going to bring forth life because all seeds produce after their own kind, identical. And so the, the law of attraction is a good law, but what are you sowing as well? You see, here's the difference, and we could, this, this is a whole teaching in and of itself, but I'll just quickly try to cover a, a minute, uh, 60 seconds here of it, is this. If you are in the kingdom of darkness, lost, and have not had this personal experience of being born into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light or the kingdom of royalty, if you are not born into that, then your law of attraction is going to still be in darkness because you're lost in that kingdom of darkness. So to really boil it down, there are the, the whole Bible, the whole universe is based on two kingdoms. Kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It's not about religion. It's not about all these man-made religions of Islam and all the different, and Buddha and, and all these different religions and even Christianity. And I say that very carefully, but um, all of these different religions and belief systems are based on one thing, the kingdom of light the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom and his kingdom. And the, he is the king and he, he has a kingdom and we are a part of his royal family. And we need to sort all these little misunderstandings out and sort them out so that they flow very clearly. And if you just believe in the law of attraction, you are going to attract to you what and who you are. 
I don't care how you speak it, how you think it, how you believe it. You are, we must first be before we can do. And we can do only to the extent that we are. And what we are depends upon what we think. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, if your heart is in darkness, you're going to be believing for something, but it's very shallow and it could blow apart in seconds. Where if you're built on the foundation of the kingdom of God and the law of sowing and reaping, that's solid stuff. So in times when things are like this right now and everybody's full of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, I am standing on the word of God and I'm built upon the rock and nothing shakes me and I'm not fearful of anything. I'm here to help people now. Right. It's like you have to change the operating system to use kind of a computer uh, analogy. You've got you've to change the software before you can have a, a different outcome. Absolutely. You know, there's, um, you know, there's the old Indian story, and I like to, to, to tell it much because I was raised with the Indians and their simplicity is so beautiful is the, the old Indian fellow, uh, uh, a white fellow comes up to the old Indian guy and says, how are you doing today, Harry? And old Harry says, oh, I'm, I'm having a terrible day. He said, I'm, 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 I'm in a big war, and there's a war going on on the inside of me. And the white man said, well, what do you mean, Harry? How, how do you mean? And, the, and uh, old Harry said, well, he said, I feel like there's a black dog and a white dog, and they're at war on the inside of me. And uh, it's, it's a horrible battle of confusion and conflict. And uh, the guy says uh, to Harry, well, which, which one is winning? And old Harry said, well, whichever one I feed the most. Hmm. And I... the simplicity of that is, is this. If we feed our spirit, our inner spirit man, constantly negative news about the coronavirus and about the economy blowing apart and all this stuff, you're going to be in such depression and fear that it's going to take months and years to get that out of you. But if you look at this, not as a crisis, but an opportunity to help others next to you and to grow, you can overcome this and there, you're, because you're feeding the white dog. And so the key here is to see everything as an opportunity to help others and be a problem solver. That's why I call this kingdom problem solvers, because we are here to solve problems and everything starts within a kingdom, be it the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light, and the kingdom is within you. And so that kind of boils that down to that and the law of sowing and reaping. The Miracle Working Card a Day Mental Health Nutrition Strategist, Brian Arnold. And uh, how, do we, uh, how do we get these cards, the cards that will change our lives, the self-discovery deck? How do we do that? Well, it's very simple. Just go to kingdomproblemsolvers.com and uh, just download your 26 free cards. They're right there for you. You can just uh, hit download and you'll get your 26 free cards and it gets you started. And to me, this is the fastest, easiest, tried and proven way to get uh, almost like a shortcut to a quick understanding of really who you are, why you're here, what your purpose is for being here, understanding your God-given talents, skills, and abilities, and transferring those into your purpose. 
and um, these cards are very powerful. They are life-changing. I've got stories and testimonials. I've got one fella that calls me just about every day or every other day going, Brian, I just read another 10 cards, and they are so powerful. So I'm getting tremendous uh, feedback and stories, and, and it's very unique and, and uh, very uh, exciting to experience helping people like this kingdomproblemsolvers.com and you can download the uh, the PDF of the first 26 cards of the self-discovery deck and then uh, you can purchase the other 26 and there's more than one deck correct yes um, the purchasing of the other 26 is only nine dollars and 97 cents it's cheap I mean like it's so inexpensive that would be ordinarily probably a hundred ninety seven dollar value to a four hundred ninety seven dollar value but I've just put it down really, really inexpensive so that masses can can afford it, people who are going through difficult times. And yes, I have uh, four other decks. Uh, the first deck is uh, Personal Self-Discovery. The next deck is called uh, The Kingdom of God Within You. The next deck is uh, called The Holy Spirit deck it's the power of the holy spirit the most powerful force on the planet the most powerful person on the planet is the holy spirit and he's here right now for everyone to experience and uh live within you if you are open to accepting what christ did for us and then the third deck that i did is or fourth deck pardon me is the creation story and the creation story is an amazing story. Um, it starts with day one, in the beginning God said. And the creation story is all about, it's, it's, it's right from Genesis right through to Revelation, all done in 52 cards. But these 52 cards are all in cartoon form. I hired a cartoonist who was very, very good at drawing the pictures out of like Adam and then Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve in the garden with the snake tempting them and how they become disobedient and, and uh, how Adam uh, lost the kingdom and uh, lost his authority and lost his dominion. And he didn't lose a religion, by the way, he lost his authority and his dominion. He lost the kingdom. And then it, it goes all the way through, um, in picture form um, where Moses comes on the scene and the Ten Commandments and then the flood and uh, and uh, Noah's Ark and the uh, Tower of Babel and then Christ comes on the scene because Christ came on the scene and said, you know, the law and the prophets have been up until now, but I'm here to deliver what the prophets have said for the repent or change your thinking for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came here not just to die on the cross for us, but to bring back the kingdom that the first Adam lost. And that's all in this deck of cards and how it works. And it's a beautiful flow through, and you can sit down with children or new people, new believers, and sit down and go through that deck of cards and just show them in picture form exactly how that deck can just transform people's lives so quickly and make it so simple and easy to understand. Brian, thank you so much for this. And again, problem solvers, sorry, kingdom, kingdom, kingdom problem solvers.com.
I appreciate yes. your time. Great meeting you. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. If you want to support my work here at Strange Planet, please consider becoming an official donor. It's easy. Just go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several donation tiers to choose from, from a dollar per month to $50 a month. New donors at the 10, 20, and $50 per month tier receive a free mug from my Strange Planet shop. Donors in the $20 tier also have their names appear on a crawl during the YouTube live stream of my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show. And donors in the $50 tier receive a special on-air thank you on my radio program. Whatever you give, your support helps keep my radio program and this podcast going. Help me pursue the truth wherever it leads. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Thank you and God bless. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited. How to prepare and thrive while under quarantine. I'll speak with survival expert Stefan Verstappen with some essential tips on surviving the coronavirus pandemic. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.